Hello and welcome to the Lions podcast, the AFC West edition. It is Matt Brown. It is Steven Andrus, and we are plowing through each and every division. If you are wondering about the division you care about the most, just go back into your podcast feed, or if you're on the YouTube side of things, just scroll down into the videos and you will find your division. We have talked about just about every one of them to this point, but Steven, good thing we waited on the AFC West until we did. Because literally 20 minutes before we start recording this on a Thursday, August the 24th, by the way, the news comes down. Pretty big news, actually, um, for the Broncos. Hopefully, we are hoping for the best here, but it seems like everyone that was there said it did not look great that Jerry Judy was took an end around in practice. And as soon as he turned the corner, came up lame, grabbed the back of his leg, said he was visibly frustrated with it, was unable to actually even get himself on the cart himself. They had to help him onto the cart. And all that. And, and Stephen, this is why we talk about, you know, I mean, we we think we know what we know and things can change on a dime. Right. And so this is one of those things where if you were a if you were a person and I don't think you are and I don't think I am either. But if you were a person that was bullish on the Broncos, this this changes the dynamic of that team. I mean, because one of the reasons you were bullish on this team was because Jerry Judy was going to be out on the field and you thought that Russell Wilson was going to have the benefit of two really, really good receivers in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. So again, like all of the stuff we've done, and if you are watching those past episodes, be sure and 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 make sure that there wasn't something that happened after we posted those episodes that drastically changes the outlook of any of these teams. The other thing to keep in mind too, and this is a, a theme for the rest of the season moving forward, is the term cluster injuries. And the Broncos have had that at wide receiver now. It hasn't just been Judy, it's been Tim Patrick as well. They let go of KJ Hamler. So they're getting thin already before we even get to week one at the wide receiver position. And it's cluster injuries, maybe more so than anything else, has the power to really severely change a team's market rating from week to week, depending on the matchup in that game. And obviously, outside of quarterback, yeah. In this passing era we're in, you better have some good wide receivers. So if, if you know Adam Schefter tweeted, it's obviously a an apparently a hamstring injury. Um, those take time. You can't yeah. rush back. You know, it's not like you can gut out running down the field if your hamstring doesn't work. So and he's going to be on the shelf and just has to wait. And the worst part about it too is like, I mean, we've seen this with these wide receivers, right? Like, I mean, I know this is, I can't, I'm not going to instantly equate it to this. I'm not going to say that it's, it's this severe or whatever, but like, I just think back at like Julio Jones, right? And like, once he started getting those hamstring injuries, he was just never mm-hmm. the same. Like he was just never the same dude, you know? And so hopefully not the case here for Jerry Judy, but we will, uh, we'll certainly update that as we get a little bit closer to the season. But as far as the AFC West goes, your favorite, as you would imagine, Kansas City Chiefs, they are as high as minus $2 in the market. You can find a minus 165 out there. So if you shop around, you can find a minus 165 if you do want the Chiefs in the West. The Chargers, your second shot. You can get a plus 340 on them if you wanted the Chargers. The Broncos, we just mentioned, maybe this number changes here as we uh, get in the next 24 to 48 hours. But you can find a plus 650 on the Broncos out there. And then the Raiders bringing up the rear. There's a 20 to one out there in the market. If you did want to bet the Raiders, let's start at the top top here, Stephen with the chiefs and they are the betting favorite, not only to win this division, but the betting favorite to win the super bowl. As you would imagine, it is still Andy Reid, It is still Patrick Mahomes. Eric B is out of town, but there is always the debate and the question, just how much influence he had on the offense anyway, with Andy Reid being there. So I think we'll find out more about 
about Eric being to me this season than we will actually about kind of, you know, what went on in past seasons and things like that. But that, that's well, neither here well, nor Matt, there. Matt Nagy yeah. left this uh, coaching staff and they won the Super Bowl. So yeah. I, think, I think they'll be all right. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so we, we do have that. And, you know, listen, I'm, I, I, I'm, as long as Andy Reid's there, Patrick Mahomes there, I'm not really too incredibly worried about it. This team was 14 and three last year with, uh, you know, frankly, in my opinion, a, a decent amount of question marks and they're just able to overcome just about everything. And so that's why I have hesitancy for me to question a team that's quarterbacked by Patrick Mahomes and coached by Andy Reid. But I, Stephen, let me just pose this to you. If we did want to try to pick, if we did want to try to nitpick with this team, Juju Smith-Schuster was a leading receiver for this team last year. He left for the bigger bucks and he's over with the Patriots now. So you are replacing him with what you are hoping to be a healthy Kadarius Tony, though we know he has already had a little bit of bumps and bruises going on in training camp. So you need Kadarius Tony to reproduce what you got out of Juju Smith-Schuster last year. You have Sky Moore, you have Marcus Valdez-Scantling, two different guys, very unproven in the NFL. Sky Moore, of course, super young, so he hadn't had a chance to prove himself. And MVS just never got anything going in Green Bay because apparently if you read what the beat reporters said, like Aaron Rodgers didn't like him for whatever reason. Like I guess like, you know, he... Too many routes run the wrong way, or too many mis ups, mess ups, or, or drops, or whatever it might be. I guess Aaron Rodgers didn't like him all that much, and then you saw that in the target share, right? I mean, he just didn't want to throw MVS's way very often, and so you are looking at Travis Kelsey, who is still the best tight end in all the NFL. But it's a year later; he is at least a year older. I'm not saying he's going to fall off of a cliff. That is not what I'm saying at all. Before people angry tweet me, what I am saying is in the NFL. Every single year does take a toll. Is he just a smidge slower? Is he just a smidge less more prone to get injured? That injured that that's something we we can determine. But he is 33, coming on 34. And we know Steven, like 34, 35, 36, like that's when we start to see decline in guys. Wouldn't shock me in the least if we start to see Kelsey fall off a little bit. Um, it's gonna happen at some point. You have to figure out when, and it's hard to do that. So I'm trying to figure out just as constituted with this offense, does it matter that Mahomes doesn't have a lot of above place, above replacement level talent at wide receiver? And I don't think it matters. I mean, he won the Super Bowl last year with largely replacement level talent at wide receiver, and he was the number one quarterback last year in a handful of different splits. Um, when looking at EPA per attempt, he was number one when not pressured, number one on layup throws outside the red zone, play action, third and fourth down, and with more than two and a half seconds to throw the ball. So even if Kadarius Tony is banged up and, and getting injured as usual, I, I don't see a big drop off here. If Kelsey misses significant time, we can reopen that conversation. If there's a weak link here on this team, I don't even think it's the defense, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I the only spot I could possibly see is left and right tackle because they lost Orlando Brown, they lost Andrew Wiley, who are very strong tackles, and they replaced them with Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith, who, if you just look at overall PFF grade, were terrible last year. They were 65th and 66th among all tackles. But that grade was largely brought down by their run blocking grade. If you looked at their pass blocking grade, and as we know, Andy Reid throws it more over expectation than any coach in the league, they were 32nd and 40th. So good enough, let's say. 
perhaps with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. But if they're playing some ferocious pass rushes this season, then I'm going to be looking to see if there's any downgrade in this offense for when they get to even more situations like that come the postseason. Because let's not forget when Mahomes didn't have tackles he could rely on and he faced the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, that made him look pedestrian. A quarterback needs time, even one as great as Patrick Mahomes. So that that's where I would say maybe the weak link is there, Matt. Yeah, I think we could look as, you know, one of the other deals, and this could be cleared up by the time you even watch this video if you're watching this down the line or listen to this podcast. But the number one graded defensive lineman in the entire NFL last year was Chris Jones. Chris Jones has not reported to camp. And Stephen, a report came out yesterday and again, another good reason that we waited to to do this division until now, a report came out yesterday that he's willing to sit out until week eight. Like he is willing to not play until week eight if it comes down to it, if they are not able to meet his contract demands. And, you know, you talk about a guy that is a real disruptor, a real guy that you have to, as an offensive line, scheme for every single time, maybe double team every single time. And now you take him out of there. And if that's the case, this is not the same defense. You're talking about the other interior defensive lineman and Naughty, who was 119th out of 127 graded players, according to Pro Football Focus last year, right? And so it's not the same. I expect probably we see a, a second-year leap from Karloftis, but, like, that's not a guarantee either. You know, I mean, like, we, we can assume that we will see a lift from him because he's been in the, in the league a year, but I don't know if that's going to be the case either. So... I think if we do look at it and say, mm, maybe if there's something we can also look at is if Chris Jones isn't out there, maybe this defensive line is pretty vulnerable. Maybe they're not getting as bi- as much pressure on the quarterback. And if that's the case, we know you can be an awesome, awesome, awesome corner. But if a guy has all day to throw, you can't cover forever. You know, you just can't cover in a, today's NFL receivers forever. They're too good. They're too fast. So it puts a ton of pressure on Snead and McDuffie and Watson, those guys are going to be playing corner, and maybe that ends up being something that could be a weakness here. Jones has also made more than $60 million already in his career, so I don't think he really cares about whatever the sanctions are from the NFL if he holds out longer or potentially losing a year of service. He's he's gotten his he's gotten all that. This isn't a rookie on the on the franchise tag trying to get a second contract and get some money. So he's he could do whatever he wants basically in this situation. So um, it's not the same. And I agree that they are thin on the defensive line if Chris Jones is not out there. They were about league average in pass rush win rate, fifteenth. They didn't have an edge rusher last year. Don't forget Chris Jones is on the inside. They didn't have an edge rusher last year that was top forty by PFF. Uh, but they were still fifth in pressure rate with the number 14 blitz rate. So I, I think Chris Jones gets a lot of credit for that. They did spend a first-round pick on an edge rusher. Uh, don't quote me on this pronunciation, but Felix and Nudiki Uzoma um, out of Kansas State. And if he is as good as their first and second-round picks last year in Trent McDuffie at corner and Nick Bolton, at linebacker who were both top 15 graded players as rookies in the entire NFL at their positions, then uh, the chiefs, that would be a 
big help to the Chiefs defense if that rookie Uzoma is pretty good. So um, overall for this defense, man, I thought last year was really impressive because yeah. you get Mahomes now on the mega deal, which means you have to hit on draft picks. You don't have as much money to go out and get free agents. And in 2021, they were 23rd in EPA allowed and 29th in success rate allowed. And they bumped all the way up to 15th and 12th in those categories last year. So this they hit on the picks that they needed to hit on. And that did a lot for this Chiefs and being able to get to their ceiling despite losing Tyreek Hill on offense. Their win total set at 11.5. The over is actually juiced to minus 140. So this team would have to get to 12 wins. You would have to get to 12 and 5. And if you look at the schedule, Stephen, I'm not ready to just say that that's a given, that they're going to get to 12 wins. I think it's very likely that they get there. I'm not going to say that it's a given by any stretch of the imagination. The under, you can actually get at plus 120. They start out week one, and we're going to find out a lot about this Lions team here in week one. So maybe the most hyped team in all the NFL as we enter the season. Well, guess what? They get the Chiefs at home as big dogs. And if you want to show us that you are not the same old Lions, this would be the place to absolutely do that. Then the Chiefs go on. Then then the Chiefs are are at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I should mention the Lions are on the road there. Um, then then you get a couple of softies there in, in Chicago. There's a softie mixed in with, I think, maybe now at this point, Denver. There's a Las Vegas Raiders, obviously, twice because they're within the division. But, man, it's a whole bunch of games that, like, could be, just could be annoying to them, right? Jets, Vikings, Chargers, Dolphins, Eagles, could the Packers maybe be better than we think? Then the Bills, like the Bengals, then the Chargers again. Like, there's a whole bunch of games. Yeah, they're going to be favorites, but they're not going to be big favorites in these games. And who knows? By the time the by the time the season we get well into the season, maybe they're not favorites in all these games that we're talking about here either. So I think the gap between the Chiefs and the rest of the league is not maybe as big as some of the prices dictate. In the context of against the spread, I agree with you. Yeah. I think we've seen that over the last few years and that this team has been one of, if not the top rated teams in the market, but they have been, they have not had an above average against the spread record in any of the past three years. I mean, this is a public team. They get a ton of money when they're on primetime games as well. We've talked to BetMGM's Christian Cipollini about that on the Behind the Lines podcast, and he's indicated as much. So, just keep that in mind that just because the Chiefs are playing whoever, that doesn't mean they're going to cover seven, seven and a half every time. Um, this is still the NFL. But in terms of the win total, just winning games, certainly understand that they have the number 29 strength of schedule by opponent win totals. One of the one of the top five toughest schedules on paper right now going into the season. But at the same time, they are favored by three or more points in 15 of their 17 games. Yeah. And they only have two toss-up games, minus one at the Jets in week four, which I might go bet right now because yeah, you're going to basically give me a pick them. I don't care if it's in New York. Yeah, uh, And then the last week of the season at the Chargers where they're currently only minus two. Who knows what it is once we get there. But um, there's a reason this team has won 12-plus games in five straight seasons and 14 wins twice in that span and five straight AFC title games as well. So... I'm actually a little surprised that the over-under is only 11.5. I thought given what we've seen in recent years, maybe it should be 12. But uh, I would only bet the over on, on the over-under here, despite it being the, the largest in the market. Yeah, so the, the other interesting thing for me, and we'll move on to the Chargers here in just a second, is 
there is market specifically like, I mean, like I know over at DraftKings, they have it like you can go and there's like a rookies tab and then there, then there are odds just about rookie performance. And there is a market for most regular season receiving yards by a rookie. And Rasheed Rice, we just talk about how injury played Kadarius Tony is. MVS might just be terrible for all we know, right? I mean, like literally they might decide two games in that he's just bad and he's not going to get any reps. So we we have that as a real, I think a very real scenario that could play out with with them. And then also, listen, it's not it's not just to say that Sky Moore is is going to win that starting job in three wide receiver sets. It, it's very well could be Rasheed Rice. And so anyway, uh, here's where I'm going with this. He's 20 to one to lead rookie receivers in receiving in receiving yards and like the all the other guys that are ahead of him nobody is being tasked with trying to be the wide receiver one for their for their respective offense right jordan addison is 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 the robin to jefferson's batman right quentin johnston is behind mike williams and keenan allen jackson smith and jigba is going to be off i think he's going to be awesome but he's having wrist surgery and is also behind dk metcalf and tyler lockett zay flowers there's it's a run heavy team and you have a lot of other stuff going on there with 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 guys that are going to command some targets. Yeah, Odell Beckham, you better believe that he's going to be screaming on the sidelines if he doesn't get them. So you get my point here, Stephen. Like there's there's nobody who's supposed to step in and be a wide receiver one. These are all guys that are supposed to be either twos or threes. So could Rasheed Rice with the best quarterback that maybe of all time not lead the rookies in in receiving yards? Like I think if he ends up whittling his way into a starting gig by week three or four i think that's still very well within the range of outcomes price seems right to me 20 to 1 um i was i didn't i was waiting to hear what the number was because i I knew where you're going i was like i need a number on this 20 to 1 is fair i mean if you look at their depth chart if tony is not available then it's either rasheed rice richie james or justin watson right so I mean, we, we saw last year that Sky Moore, everybody expected him to be an immediate contributor. He was not, took some time for the rookies. So it's possible that happens with Rice again, but I also think that's baked into 20 to 1. So um, you make some good points on that long shot. So let's head over to the Chargers. This is a team that has broken not only my heart, but probably your heart out there as well several times over the last couple of seasons. You can find them, as I mentioned, as high as plus 340 to win this division and Steven I will go out on I will go ahead and just put this on tape right now that if someone gave me a hundred American and said you have to bet the division winner and you have to put this money down I would be betting on the Chargers given the prices that we have right now minus 165 on the Chiefs and plus 340 on the Chargers I do not think there's as big a gap as the price dictates and indicates here and do I think that a lot of that has to do with the firing of Lombardi and the bringing in of, of Kellen Moore, I absolutely do. We are looking at a team that has a quarterback with one of the biggest arms in the NFL with a receiver in Mike Williams who may be arguably in the conversation for the best 50-50 ball guy in the NFL. You have one of the most precise route runners in the NFL in in uh, Keenan Allen, and then you have one of the better receiving backs in Austin Eckler, and yet the average depth of target for Justin Herbert last year was 26th in the NFL. That is criminal. Like Lombardi actually might should even be in jail for this. Like, I mean, there might be, there might like football jail, at least for something like this. Kellen Moore from day one came in and said, no, I'm going to utilize the weapons we have. I'm going to play to their strengths and I'm going to make sure 
that we are not doing things to put us behind the eight ball. They go out and draft Quentin Johnston, which, by the way, I think is an excellent pick for them as a compliment to bring in on this offense as well. I am very, very bullish on this team. I understand that they could break my heart and let me down yet again. But again, over three to one, I think one in three seasons for sure. Again, plus 340. I think one in three seasons they 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 take down the Chiefs in this division with this team that they have right now. And, and that's not even mentioning the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball as well, which, again, we're talking Davis, Samuel, Bosa, Mack, James. Like there, There's a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. I, I Fool me again. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on me again. Fool me three times, it's going to be really shame on me again, Steven. I don't care. I, I, like, the, I like the Chargers again this year. They've always played the Chiefs tough. Last three years, they've beaten them twice. They have two three-point losses, and the other two losses were overtime losses. They they have the talent on this roster with Herbert still on his rookie contract to compete with Kansas City. They just had brutal injury luck last year. Mm-hmm. So, including with Justin Herbert gutting through um, in rib injury, I think it was yeah. last year. So, and Keenan Allen going down for a long stretch in the middle of the season. And maybe most importantly, their tackle Rashawn Slater only playing three games a year ago. So, if healthy, they absolutely can compete in a loaded AFC. And to your point about the depth target, that it was just insane. And to even go deeper on advanced metrics between the quarterbacks, it, it was kind of shocking to me that Dak Prescott was better than Justin Herbert last year in EPA and success rate, despite all the interceptions that everybody was talking about with Dak Prescott. I mean, that to me is a clear indication that Kellen Moore is going to be a huge upgrade for the scheme of this offense. So I'm with you on that. The defensive side of the ball, they got to figure some stuff out here because on paper, they were top 10 versus the pass in those advanced stats, but bottom five versus the run. People over the past two seasons are just running it down their throat. That's tiring out the defense and it's forcing the offense to be even more efficient to make up for that. They're they're basically have, having to win some shootouts out here. They had a hugely failed free agent signing at cornerback with J.C. Jackson. And right now with their secondary, despite the past, past defense statistics that they put up a year ago, three of the five projected starters in the, in the Chargers secondary, if you're going nickel, failed to record a PFF grade of at least 60 last year. That's not good, man. So over team this year lots of overs i don't know we'll see but i i agree that the offense should be improved still have questions about the defense and can can 2021 brandon staley please come back where he is a little bit more aggressive on fourth down and and not worried about his job because i don't know what that was last year but like stop being afraid man like he he caved in to all the all the boomers out there and and just stop going for it so I would like to see more of what we saw from his decision-making the year prior. Yeah, I I look at this win total, and I understand. They have one of the more difficult schedules in all the NFL, but to be fair, so did the Chiefs. And it's sitting at 9.5, and and it's not even really juiced all that much, Stephen. It's just minus 120 on the over. And I look at this, and if I I believe in this team as much as I do, a 10-7 and season should be the floor for this team. Right, like if I if I believe in this offense and I believe that this defense can be a little bit better than they were last year as well, like a ten and seven season should be the floor. So that gets you to the over on this squad, right? Like I mean, the ten and seven season has you a winning ticket, and so 
I don't know, man. Like I don't want to get sucked in yet again. I haven't put it in the account quite yet. I look at this though, and it's very tempting to me. I really do like what I what what I see with this team. And again, the schedule, while it says that it's difficult, there are a lot of winnable games uh, on this schedule. I mean, listen, I'm not as high on Tennessee. I think we've already, we've already talked about this. Like, I, I'm not as high on Tennessee. I don't think the Raiders are going to be very good. I don't think the Bears are going to make this big jump that everyone's talking about. I think the Packers will be fine, but certainly not uh, not anything to be a threat to this Chargers team. I'm down on the Patriots. They have the Patriots on the schedule. Like there is a lot of games on here that I think are being looked at when we're talking strength of schedule that is maybe elevated because of hopes and aspirations for teams that I'm actually kind of not buying into. And so if that's the case, then Denver, this, right? Denver again, exactly. So like this nine and a half win total. If you can't get to 10 wins, I think, with this schedule or something, then then maybe it is time to reassess just everything, you know, top to bottom here. And that even maybe starts with Brandon Staley because th- this is a this is a 10-win talented team for sure, right, on paper. And, like, if you can't convert this into 10 wins to where you're barely over 500 or whatever, then I, I think you're doing something wrong. Let's play a quick game of Would You Rather. At, yeah. at our show sponsor, BetMGM, you can pay minus 130 at over 9.5 wins. Or you can pay minus one fifteen that they make the playoffs. In the loaded AFC, is it possible that ten wins doesn't get you in the playoffs? I think it's possible. I think there is a world that exists that a ten win team doesn't make it because well, tiebreakers or whatever. Yeah, like with weird. Yeah, exactly with weird tiebreakers with things that are going with that. Because I mean, like let's just I mean let's rattle it off real quick, right? I mean, Chiefs, Bills, Jags, Bengals. Ravens I like the Brown like I think the Browns are in the mix like I like the Browns a lot I I think the Dolphins could be in the mix like as far as all of that goes the Jets could certainly be in the mix is it out of the realm of possibility that the Steelers are much better because Kenny Pickett's actually good at quarterback than we actually thought I mean like I think there literally could be 10 11 teams in the mix when it all comes down to it And if that's the case like your your scenario kind of plays out right where it's like well a 10 win team actually doesn't even get in so uh, I think I'd pay the tiny little bit of extra juice and just with the for the peace of mind because a nine and eight team is not getting in the playoffs like that's like that's not that's not happening right like so we we can at least feel really good about that from from a betting standpoint so yeah I I, I probably would still just go the over nine and a half me personally me personally so just as I've done for every team so far just a quick breakdown of their schedule and where their spreads are at right now going into the season. The Chargers only have one game they're projected to lose at Kansas City where they're a, a an underdog of three or more points. They have four games where they are projected to win favorites of three or more points. So to hit the over, that means six wins they have to get out of 12 toss-up games. And I'm pretty sure at least one of those is, is the Denver game, maybe two Denver games, uh, which I think you and I will get to in a minute here, a little lower. Um, so just win half of your toss-up games, and you're at ten wins. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's pretty good. I, I agree with you that this over under is probably baking or probably um, closer to the floor based on all the injuries last year, and I, I think that's that's poor handicapping if you're if you're basing something off of injuries the year before. Yeah, the the last thing I want to bring up too is if there are any teams that are that are just complete sellers come trade deadline, 
I would imagine the Chargers will be buyers because look, we're 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 entering the home stretch of these rookie contracts, right? And like yep. it's 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 like year three for for Staley. You, like you better you better buy in and see if you can do something before you have to like break the bank on some of these dudes and stuff. And like I I I can see the Chargers if you know a high a high profile like you're talking about, may a high profile defensive lineman or a high profile you know corner or something becomes available. That that they become a buyer right at, at the deadline and say like you know what we've got we've got our quarterback on a cheap deal we should maximize this window right like we better do it while we still can because we're about to have to pay this guy you know a billion dollars you know and so things to things to think about there as well right they're not so, in cap hell either they're kind of middle right. of the pack of salary cap space so they would have the flexibility to do that. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. So we talk about the Broncos, and listen, this our thoughts on the Broncos probably change, changed even over the last hour, right? Broncos, you can find them as high as plus 650 to win this division. I wasn't really buying in on it anyway, Stephen. This is kind of one of the first teams, you, if you guys did not, subscribe to the Megapod last year. One of the things Steven and I and, and, and Adam will do is we'll kind of be like, you know what? We go through the list, like there are three or four games kind of every week. We'll just scratch off right off the bat. We're kind of, you know, I want nothing to do with this game. This spread seems funky. The total seems funky, whatever it might be. Maybe there's some sort of looming like injury news that we don't want to have to deal with. So we'll just kind of scratch those games off. The Broncos actually in the offseason was the first team that I just scratched off the list for me that I just scratched off and wanted nothing to do with. And I'll tell you why is because I can't answer the question whether Russ is actually washed or not, right? Like, I can't answer that question. Was it just the worst coaching job in history of NFL, as Sean Payton said, or is Russell Wilson actually broken? And that I cannot answer until I see him out on the field in real games with Sean Payton at the helm for this Denver Broncos team. And so for me, I think you're just taking a drastic leap of faith if you want to back them. And I think you're taking a drastic leap of faith that a guy that, probably even three years ago 
would have made your, who's your top five quarterbacks in the NFL? Russell Wilson probably would have made your list, you know, like three years ago as one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL that he had one of the most precipitous and rapid falls at the quarterback position we've ever seen in the shortest amount of time. And so that for that, those two reasons for me is why I was just like, you know what, this Broncos team, prove it to me, show it to me the first few weeks of the season. And then I can like come in and have an opinion on you, but I, I can't, it's very hard for me to do in the off season. I don't think Sean Payton was wrong about what he said with Nathaniel Hackett and the operation that was happening in Denver last year. But I also don't think Russell Wilson totally gets a, for, forgiven for that because this is now a second straight year where he was well below average among quarterbacks with at least 200 attempts in both EPA and success rate. 2021, he was 20th and 24th in those statistics respectively. And last year is 27th and 33rd. So the question is, how much can Sean Payton instantly fix that for a guy who was already below average throwing to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett before he got there? Mm-hmm. And Sean Payton's first year without Drew Brees, I know they weren't good quarterbacks with Trevor Simeon and, and Jameis Winston, but still probably would have expected a little better from Sean Payton than 25th and 29th in New Orleans that season in the first year without Brees. So... I'm betting Russell Wilson under 3,700 passing yards this year. And I think probably my biggest hot take coming into this season, Matt, is that it wouldn't shock me in the least if Russell Wilson gets benched some point this season. Yeah. Because I mean, they I don't do have any. Yeah. yeah. And they don't have any financial incentive to him past this, this season. That was one of the things that I think we were all fooled about whenever the, when the contract came out and we we're like, oh my God, they're married to this guy for the next decade. And actually it comes out, comes to find out they're actually not. Mm -hmm. And if Sean Payton had full belief in Russell Wilson, I don't think they would have given Jared Stidham $5 million a year and a two-year $10 million contract. That's a lot for a backup quarterback. Uh, So I don't think the belief is fully there from Payton when it comes to Russell Wilson. And now... Perhaps Jerry, we we don't know. Keep an eye on the injury, but hamstrings right, right. usually take it sounded time. Sounded not great. Yes, yeah, yes. You, you cannot come back great. early from a hamstring injury, or you're playing at less than 100 percent and have a very high chance of re-injuring it and being out even longer. So, um, and the other side here is does if the if the offense is not improved, is the defense going to be any better than it was last year? Because they lost the Giro Evero to Carolina, one of the most respected defensive coordinators in the league at this point. And Sean Payton struck out in the bidding war to get Vic Fangio to come to Denver. He went to Miami instead. So is this defense going to be as dominant as they were despite being on the field as as long as they were last year? Because before packing it in a year ago, the Broncos were third in EPA per play allowed and fourth in success rate allowed through week 15. And it dropped off a little bit after that. Meaningless games, whatever. But that's pretty rare to see from a team that doesn't have a viable offense. So, And they also don't have a ton with pass rush either. So they have a very strong secondary. But to your point about the Chargers, how long can you put these guys on an island without a consistent pass rush? And I think you now have a, a clear downgrade in coaching as well for that defense. Um, I, I can't be bullish on this Denver team at this point whatsoever. They do have, if there is like something to, you know, if you want to 
back them and feel good about them. They did go out and make a splash in the free agent market on the offensive line. They signed Mike McGlinchey. They signed Zach. Uh, they signed uh, Ben Powers as well on the defensive line. They signed Zach Allen. So they, they spent some money in the offseason for sure. The offensive line bordering on a top 10 unit heading into the season, according to Pro Football Focus, and uh, certainly has some upside there if a couple of these guys can have a, a bounce back season as well. So we um, – we, we, we look at that, and if you do want to be, I guess, a little bit bullish on this team, but it's it sucks for us, you know, that you and I, that we can't sit here and, and speak definitively about what we're going to get on the offensive side of the ball because, one, we don't really know anyway with what Sean Payton and, and Russell Wilson are going to be able to do together, and two, a major, major blow to this offense literally right before we come on air. So that's kind of a bummer, and uh, again, we'll, we will have a – an all-encompassing preview episode before the season starts. And so we'll we'll know a little bit more and a little bit further kind of what's going on with Denver and all that. A team that I'm staying away from, though, Stephen. Last note for me, mm-hmm. the spread for week one, Denver hosting the Raiders, has ballooned up more than any other. It, it was a pick in some places, and it's up to Broncos minus four and a half. If Judy is out, I guarantee you this is closing closer to three. So something to think about for week one. Now let's head to the fourth team in this division, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders. They go 6-11 and 11 last year. What's the move that they make? They get rid of Derek Carr, and in comes Jimmy Garoppolo. They sign Jacoby Myers on the defense uh, on the offensive side of the ball to play wide receiver to be opposite Devontae Adams, maybe try to give him a little bit of help out there because Darren Waller is now gone out of town as well. Um I look at this team and Steven, I, uh, Mike Pritchard is a guy that I have on my show whenever I do stuff over at VEASAN. He's a former NFL guy. I'd stick to more, not really betting talk with him, but just kind of more macro stuff about being in the NFL and stuff that goes on in the locker room and player mentality things and stuff like that. And I asked him this week, actually, I said, Hey, Hey, Pritch, like team, like the Raiders playing really, really well in the preseason and looking a lot better in the preseason than I would have ever expected. I thought this could be potentially one of the worst teams in the NFL overall. And it seems like they figured something out, at least, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, they have a couple of guys that can play defense. That was supposed to be a weakness. They've been at least all right in the preseason as well. I was like, how much should we take from the preseason? Is this, is this something we're just overanalyzing and, and this should not be taken, you know, nearly as seriously as we do. And he's like, nah, man, he's like, I, I look at stuff like that. And he's like, I take it very, very seriously because the the thing is, is, you know, we, we do all this stuff and handicapping on paper before the season starts, but sometimes you put some pieces together and you start to put the puzzle together and maybe it's not full of all stars and things like that. But once you put all the pieces together, it equals something a little bit better than it is just as individuals. And so I don't know. I'm not saying that I'm buying in by any stretch of the imagination to the Raiders. I'm just wondering if the Raiders, if I handicapped them poorly in the offseason where I thought they were basically going to be an easy out for everybody. And maybe they just are more stubborn out than I thought. I'm not like bullish on the Raiders. I'm not thinking this team's going to the playoffs. I'm certainly not saying they have any chance of winning the Super Bowl or anything like that. But I guess where I was kind of almost looking at it as like a layup for teams that maybe they might be a little bit more stubborn than I gave them credit for. You want to trust Josh McDaniels Daniels with your hard-earned money, you go right ahead because I'm not doing it. I'm I'm sorry. Um, so how you're many not buying into any of the stuff we've seen? from? In no, the I mean, okay. Aiden O'Connell looks like a great preseason quarterback. Like that's the guy that everybody's talking about, right? The old Purdue quarterback. So that's that's all well and good. But Jimmy Garoppolo's the starting quarterback, and O'Connell's playing a bunch of guys that won't be on rosters in a couple of weeks here. So um 
how many times did McDaniels blow games last year where he was favored? And, you know, if, if you want to have a conversation about week one where he's going to cover, try to cover four and a half as an underdog, that's a different conversation. But in terms of winning games, this, I think, could hit the fan for Las Vegas this year because they not only have the second toughest schedule by opponent win totals, they have a below average roster overall by PFF. And over under six and a half wins after they only had six wins last year. So you do have to bet if you're betting the over that this team will be better this year than it was last year. And if you look at their schedule, seven games on the schedule right now where they are a three point or larger underdog, which means of those 10 remaining toss up games, they would have to win seven of those. If form holds on the, on the games they are projected to lose. That is that to me looks like an overrunner that's priced closer to the ceiling than it is the floor. And you go from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's a problem for me because it takes away the potential explosive downfield element of your offense. Derek Carr was top 10 over the past two years in average depth of target. Jimmy Garoppolo was 39th in air yards over the past two years. It's just not part of his game. So it's going to be short intermediate stuff. Injuries are piling up. And was it really Jimmy or was it Kyle Shanahan with his statistics in San Francisco? Because, Seventh round rookie quarterback Brock Purdy stepped in and looked even better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So which is it? And I'm willing to bet under 3,300 passing yards on Jimmy Garoppolo this season. Don't really have a crystal ball, obviously, for injury luck, but he's gotten injured a lot over the years. He's missed a lot of games in recent years, and I don't think he has any type of downfield explosiveness as a threat in his arsenal anymore at this point. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said up until the under on the passing yards because I think what happens here is, and this actually leads me to one of the the plays that I'm thinking about putting in the account. Um, it's a team that's got good enough players on it, but also is going to be trailing in a whole bunch of games. So like that equals to me like kind of like a lot of. What else call it? It's like, like garbage time offense, right? Like a lot of garbage time stuff that is going to be going on. And so, like, I look at Devonte Adams in the receptions market, not necessarily receiving yardage because he doesn't go to you know, like you mentioned, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to necessarily take a ton of shots downfield. He's not going to be super aggressive when it comes to all that. But Devonte Adams in the receptions market, That's it would not it would not surprise me in the least bit, Stephen, if we are looking and like at the end of this season. We always say barring barring injury luck and all the things like that. Like if, if Devontae Adams didn't average like 14 targets a game or something, you know, like 14, 15 targets a game when it all comes down to, because it's going to be a team that's going to be trailing a ton. So they have to give up on the run game. Josh Jacobs, get over on the sideline, buddy. And now they are just throwing, throwing, throwing. And Jimmy Garoppolo opts for the high percentage targets, the underneath targets, the things like that. And who Devontae Adams can do it all, right? I mean, that that's what we know about him. Like, that guy is not a one-trick pony. Yes, he can get open down the field. He can also run very precise routes and just get open in zone coverage, certainly in soft coverage. He'll take what the defense gives him and things like that. And so it, it it's one of those things where, like, I'm not bullish on the offense in general, but I think they're, like, just good enough 
from a, hey, can Jimmy Garoppolo hit one of the best receivers in the NFL repeatedly for like seven yards at a time or whatever to where I think Devontae Adams just from a receptions, not reception yardage, but just receptions, um, I think is an interesting bet anyway. This is a great find by you because Adams was second in the league last year with 180 targets, only four behind Justin Jefferson, but he had 28 fewer receptions. And to me, my theory is because Derek Carr is chucking the ball downfield at a top 10 rate last year. Mm-hmm. So I I could totally see a situation where Jimmy G's throwing the more efficient stuff. Um, another guy, Tyree Kill, 170 targets. He had 119 receptions. So the mm-hmm. fact that Adams only had 100 catches last year on 180 targets screams positive regression to me. This, this is a solid find by you. I'm going to bet this myself. I'm seeing like a 16 to 1 out there. Yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's pretty I think it's a pretty interesting deal because like again, you you need a team that has at least a, at least has enough to maybe string together some first downs here and there, but you also need the defense to be bad enough to where you're going to be trailing a ton, and I think this team almost fits the bill perfectly, right? It's like your your defense is going to be bad enough to where you're trailing enough to where you can't just run the ball and you're going to have to be throwing a ton and so um anyway, I like that one. That's kind of the angle of how I'm going to play the Raiders. And you know, who knows? Maybe if they're a little bit better than we think on a week-to-week basis, if we find them as big dogs or something, we can uh, go in and and take the points with them. But like I said, overall for me, I'm I'm pretty bullish on the Chargers again, yet again this year. Um and it's not to say that I think they're necessarily going to win the division. I just think that the price attached to them, I don't think the gap between them and the Chiefs is that is is that type of gap, right? I think that they are a little bit closer to the Chiefs than maybe we're giving them credit for. So, uh I like them here at that plus 340 number uh strictly based off off the price attached to it. And so that's really all I have. Like I said, I'm I have faded to high heaven the Broncos so nothing there no thoughts no anything I'm gonna I'll see I'll I'll check back in with you guys in week four after you know after I see three games um with with the Broncos and then I can maybe give you some sort of assessment who knows maybe Russell Wilson looks like Russell Wilson again or maybe we're looking at this going oh my god he actually did fall off of a cliff in in one year I don't know how that's humanly possible the AFC is just so loaded man like you could make the case for a million different combinations of playoff teams this year based on floors and ceilings. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun in this division, maybe more than any other with the two teams at the top there should be entertaining as well. I thought it might be a little stronger earlier in the off season, but I think there is a clear dividing line between the chiefs and the chargers and then the Broncos and the Raiders underneath. Guys, everything we do, absolutely free. So if you're listening on the podcast side of things, just hit the pause button. Five-star review would be really great. Help us climb up the, the uh, charts there. And if you're over on the YouTube side, hello, this is what we look like. Appreciate it. And uh, hit that subscribe button down below. A little thumbs up also helps. And then if you want to leave a comment, a question, whatever it might be, just do that. And we will collect those. And we'll do a big kind of mailbag edition of the, of the podcast before the NFL season rolls around again. For Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your AFC West bets.